If you brought your Bible, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to start with the first verse this morning. I'm going to read the first eight verses, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Um, I will just say this while you're finding Romans chapter 12. You, you may have noticed a few, it wasn't any big changes, but a few minor tweaks or changes in our worship service here this morning. Uh, and uh, anyways, uh, uh, I will tell you that between the revival and God working on me for this message that I'm preaching to you this morning, that is the inspiration for wanting to try some of those things. And whether they all work out or not, I don't know. We'll, time will tell. But anyways, uh, uh, that's, if you're wondering where that's coming from, that's where it's coming from. Uh, Romans chapter 12, I want to begin with the first verse. I want to read the first eight verses and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for our church, our church family. We thank you for this opportunity you've given us to gather here and worship you in spirit and truth this morning. And Lord, I just pray right now, God, that you would have your way and your will in our midst in a mighty way. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that your presence just be felt and known here in the service in a mighty way. God, I'm asking for you to have your way and your will in the hearts and minds and lives of each and every one of us. God, my prayer is, is that every one of us would leave here uh, changed, transformed, different, uh, walking closer to you, more like you uh, than when we come in. And so, Lord, I'm asking for you to have your way and your will here in our service this morning. Lord, I'm asking for uh, not only for you to work on the hearts and the minds of each one that is sitting here listening to your word this morning, but as you've chosen me to deliver your word, I'm asking that you would anoint me, God, that you'd clear my mind of everything but your message, your words, that you'd place your, the very words you'd have me to speak right on my tongue, Lord, so they'd roll off, Lord, my desires to preach from my spirit to theirs. And so, Lord, I'm asking for your help this morning. I'm asking for us to have receptive ears. 
I'm asking, Lord, I know that you've told us your word will not return void. So I'm asking you to fulfill that. Lord, have your way and your will in our midst. And above everything, our desire is to see you glorified and to see souls added to your kingdom because we know that's how you're most glorified. So Lord, if there's any among us that's lost, any that's undone, any that's not sure where they stand, any that's maybe just backslidden, whatever the case may be, God, don't convict them and don't give them any peace until they repent and get things right with you because that's the most important thing. Lord, have your way and your will in our midst. We'll give you the glory. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I was thinking, and I'll explain just a little bit as we get going here. Um, I was, you know, I was thinking about our worship services during our revival and how wonderful they were. And I, you know, and I, I was literally, it was going through my mind. I don't remember which night of the revival it was, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in there. But anyways, I was thinking, why isn't it like this every Sunday morning? Why, why isn't it like this every time we get together? And I got to thinking, does, is God different here this week than he is on, on a regular Sunday? Well, no, of course not. There's no reason. The difference is, is us. And so anyway, so, you know, it's not like we, we brought in a, a team of people to worship for us. We were the ones singing. We were the ones leading. I mean, we had visitors, and they were helping, and they were contributing. There's no question, no doubt about that. But the largest part of that was us. And so there's no reason why I got to thinking why our uh, worship services has to be different on Sunday than what they are during the revival. And I got to thinking, you know, really what the real difference is? It's just a matter of us preparing our hearts, right? It's a matter of us praying. It's a matter of us coming to church already prepared to worship God. I don't remember who it was, but I, had a, I know I had a conversation at the back door with somebody during a revival about that very thing. That's something that's been on my mind. One of these days, you'll probably hear that come out as a sermon. I don't have, you know, the whole thing at all, but God has put that on my heart. There's two things, really, about worship that God put on my heart that I think he'll have me preach on one of these days. Is One is coming to church prepared to worship, right? It's like we come to church not prepared at all, thinking filled with the cares of, of, of this world, this life. We sit in here, and it seems like it takes us the whole service to even get to the point to where we're starting to worship a little bit whenever we ought to walk in, prayed up and ready, already worshiping God, ready to come together and worship God together in spirit and truth. And what a blessed time that would be in his. Uh, the other thing, not only us coming here prepared to worship already, uh, but you know, and, and I think I mentioned this during, I think it was during our Bible study one night. It may have been some other time, but something I have missed until recently that I've just totally missed is how our giving is a part of worship. And I don't know what to do or what to change there to emphasize that more. The Lord shows me, or you got a good idea, you let me know. But that's something that I think that we miss, an element we miss in our worship services is our giving. When we give, we're giving to the Lord. And I've talked a lot about time being a sacrifice. Well, our money, it is too, right? And that is a definitely a part of worship. So I think 
I, I think what it really boils down to is it boils down to us preparing our hearts. It boils down to us, like, remember, we've done a lot of praying before our revival. I think we ought to do a lot of praying before every Sunday, amen? And so it's a matter of us coming with our hearts prepared, being prayed up, coming to church already prepared, ready to worship, and using our gifts. That's what I want to preach about this morning, right? Is using our gifts and participating in the worship service instead of just being a spectator. I think that's one of the main things that's lost in the modern worship service as we come as spectators and we want to sit there and we want a handful of people to entertain us instead of us entering into the presence of God and worshiping God together in spirit and truth. And I don't know how to completely remedy that. I know one thing that you saw this morning that was different was Abby volunteered to be the first one to do it, but the scripture reading that she'd done here at the middle of the service. Normally we do announcements during that time, and I got to thinking, why in the world are we doing announcements then, right? We could do them at the end or some other time, right? And, and, and honestly, those of you who've been here a long time, you know this, what God has put in my heart and what I've always been is about preaching and teaching the Word of God. Scripture-centered. Period. Um, I'm weak in all other areas. I will admit that. I'm weak in all other areas. I am not a good uh, conversationalist. I'm not a one of them people that can just walk up and talk to anybody anytime like I've known them all my life. I'm not a good exhorter. I'm definitely not a good singer. If you doubt that, come stand next to me when in the choir, all right? I sing, and I sing like, you know, for all that I'm worth, but it's not where I'm gifted. I know that. But God has always put such a hunger for the Word of God and such a burden to preach and to teach the Word of God. And so, uh, I mean, you, you all agreed with me and with God that I'm supposed to be the pastor here. So that kind of, you're kind of in that with me, you know, whether you like it or not. That's who we are. We're the church uh, that is word-centered, right? The, the word of God that preaches and teaches and everything is focused on that. And I actually believe my philosophy in ministry that if I can get the word into you and if you can get the word into other people, it will do what God intended for it to do. It will transform your life and you will go out because of the word of God that is in you. You will go out and live the life that Christ... That, uh, a Christ-like life, the life that God has called you to, you'll tell other people about the experience that you've had, right? About what Jesus has done for you. All these things that the Scriptures tells us to do, that you'll do it by nature when the Word is in you, deeply rooted in you, and it's who you are. And so that's kind of always my philosophy of ministry, and that's why I do the things that I do and do them the way that I do them. And so anyways... I was thinking, the scripture reading in the middle, I was thinking, you know what? We shouldn't be doing announcements then. We should be reading the word of God. And, and my first thought was, is I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'll pick a scripture to read there every week and I'll just read the scripture. But I got to thinking about what I said to you just a minute ago about how church has turned into a spectator sport instead of everybody participates, everybody's on the team. And I was thinking, no, 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 no. Somebody else, right? Somebody else. 
Somebody different every week, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But anyway, so don't be surprised. I come and ask you to read the scripture one week, right? Uh, and so anyways, and, and, and I think that, you know, we all ought to, we all have gifts. God wants us to use them. We need to use them. If we want worship services that are out of this world, then we're going to have to use the gifts that God has given us, Amen. right? Use what God has given you. If I titled my message this morning, that's what it would be right there. Use what God has given you. So, and, I, and as we think through this, and as we work through this, remember everything we do is for the glory of God. It is to please God. So remember, no matter who gets used where, right? Whether it is reading the scripture, whether it's praying, whether it's singing, teaching, preaching, you name it. No matter who gets used where. Goal is not to hurt people's feelings or lord it over somebody or anything like that, Right? We're looking to get more people involved in the worship, right? The goal is not to hurt anybody's feelings. The goal is to glorify God. And I really honestly think if every single one of us will turn our focus on that and we'll ask ourselves that question every time before we get ready to do something, before we get ready to let the devil come into our mind and try to, you know, get us worked up about something or whatever... Ask the question, does this glorify God? That's why we do it, right? We do it to the glory of God. Listen to me. Let me just be completely blunt and honest with you. We need um, the gifts. What I mean by that, I'm talking about God-given talents, right? We need the gifts working where they are supposed to be. This is our reasonable duty. I think that's the reason all these verses are together here, right? This is our reasonable duty. In other words, we need the people God has gifted to preach, preaching. We need the people God has gifted to teach, teaching. We need the people that God has gifted to sing, singing. We need the people that God has gifted as prayer warriors. We need them doing that. We need them in our, their prayer closets, being the prayer warriors that God has called them to one, the ones that God has gifted to give, right? We need them giving. The people that God has gifted uh, with mercy and the ability to help others, they need to be out helping people. We need the people God has gifted to be exhorters, right? Encouraging people, out encouraging people exhorting we need to be out doing what God has called us to do and we use these certain gifts right uh, at different times different ways different places right we use certain gifts in our congregational worship our corporate worship when we come together for the edifying of the entire body of Christ but yet then there's other gifts that we use in private more I guess one-on-one -on -one. Uh, let me give you a silly example you probably don't need now there may be a time where you need to, but most of the time, you probably don't necessarily need a preacher to drop by your house and just pop out his portable pulpit and open his Bible and just preach you a message right then. Now, sometimes maybe you do, but really there's a times where I think maybe you might need an exhorter to stop by and to encourage you a little bit in the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying you know, when you, when you need the sermon, then the preacher will come by and preach you one. But sometimes you just need a little bit of exhorting, a little bit of encouraging. That's when the one who's been gifted that away comes, the Holy Spirit nudges them, they drop by, they give you a phone call or come by the house, and they encourage you a little bit in the Lord. That's what I mean. We need the ones that God has gifted doing what God has gifted them to do. And understand this as I talk about these gifts this morning. But yes, to a certain degree... 
all Christians should exhibit, you know, pretty much all of these gifts in one way or another. I mentioned a minute ago, I sing. But, and when I get in the choir and sing, I sing for all that I'm worth. I don't hold back. But I'm under no, no delusion that that is how God has especially gifted me, right? God's not especially gifted me in that way so that I can use my singing voice to minister to other people. God's given me different gifts than that. All of us, right, should pray, but some people are especially gifted as prayer warriors. All of us are to give, but God gifts some people with a special ability to give in extraordinary ways and things that the average person cannot. All of us, right? The preacher just proclaims the gospel. All of us should proclaim the gospel with to every creature, every person we come in contact with, every opportunity we have. But not all of you, are, not everyone is gifted to get up here and preach like I am here this morning. It's the same way with teaching. Teaching is just simply sharing what you know and what you believe with somebody else. In this case, from the scriptures, and all of us should do that. But there are certain ones that are especially gifted to sit down and to lead a class and to teach a class week after week. You say the same thing about singing all of us, right? Every single one of us ought to open our mouth and glorify God and lift our voices up to the Lord whenever we sing together. But not all of us are gifted to use that singing voice in a special way in order to minister to people. We could go on and on, you know, um, through all of these things, right? We should all try to encourage one another. There are some people that are just exhorters. It's just been given that gift. And, and, and as you know, it talks about here mercies and, and, and you know, uh, he, let him that ruleth, you know, uh, with diligence and him that giveth with simplicity. And so, anyways, we can go through those and we can see that. But our gifts are to be used for the purpose to minister, to edify. That means to build up. The body of Christ. That's the church. That's why it says, it talks about gifts in three places. It gives lists of gifts. Um, Abby read one of them to you here this morning, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think it mentions a couple more in verse, I mean, chapter 14 also. Here in Romans chapter 12. Ephesians chapter 4 is another one. And that's why it says in Ephesians chapter 4. But I don't think any of them are complete lists, right? If you compare them lists, they're different. There's some overlap in some of them, but there's some differences. And I don't think any of it is, inten to, is intended to be an exhaustive, complete list that covers every single gift. And the gift's not on the list, and it's not a gift. You know, I don't think that was the case at all, right? I think mean, there's many ways in, uh, that God gifts us. But in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he explains to us, why he's given these gifts, and he gives a partial list there, and it says he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. And then the rest of that, in verse 12, he tells us why. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that we might be uh, the people that God has called us to be. Right? So that we might be built up. Right? So that we might have what we need to go out and do the work that God has called us to do in the fight the battles. Right? Uh, with the world and the flesh and the devil as we go along. And I know some of you may be sitting there right now saying, I don't know what gifts God has given me. 
let me give you my thought just a minute on the gifts. First of all, I earnestly believe that God gives every single believer at least a gift, if not multiple gifts. I don't believe any two are gifted exactly alike. The best illustration that I've ever heard, and I'm not an artist or a painter at all, but I do understand that with an artist or, or a painter, they can take a palette of colors and they can take two colors and blend them together, right, a little more of this one, a little less of that one, to get a different shade, a different hue, right? I think that's how God does the gifts, right? I think some are gifted more in one area and a little bit in another area and less in another area, and each one of us, it makes each one of us our individual um, shade of color, right? Our individual hue of color, or whatever the right terminology to use there is, and it makes each one of us unique, an individual and how God has gifted us. And so sometimes it takes a while to figure that out. I get that. Sometimes, most of the time, we know, but we're afraid to use them. We're afraid to step out and do it. We're afraid uh, of failure. We're afraid of being embarrassed. Um, maybe, maybe some of that's just pride, right? Maybe we're afraid having our pride hurt or whatever. But I, but most of the time, there's sometimes where we we truly don't know. We truly haven't got it figured out. Sometimes I met a few people that are just too humble to really step out and use their gifts. But most of the time, we're afraid to actually do it. I knew I was called to preach for several months before I did. You know why I didn't answer any sooner? I was afraid. I was afraid to use the gifts that God had given me. I was afraid to do it. I was afraid that I'd open my mouth and I'd sound like a fool and everybody would, you know, think I'm an idiot or laugh or whatever, you know. That was my thing. That was, that was my deal. I know of, uh, you know, there are some people who, who didn't even try. God gifted them the same and they didn't even try until they were way on in years or for years and years and years because they was afraid of, you know, that it wouldn't sound good or what people would think. But so let me say to you, who truly, truly does not know what their gifts are, can I ask you, have you ever earnestly asked God what your gifts are? I mean, if you've really been a Christian for a while and you just really, truly don't know, I'm not talking about those of you that know and just haven't done it for one reason or another, I'm talking about those that truly don't know. Have you ever truly asked God what your gifts were? And if you have, have you ever slowed down enough to hear God speak to you? I like what Jennifer said about our prayer revival, that the first night of our prayer revival, she done all the talking. Um, the second night, She'd run out of things to say, and it was God's turn to talk a little bit. I think sometimes that you know we don't pray near like we ought to, and when we do, we do all the talking. We don't ever slow down to hear God speak to us. Have you ever put yourself in the position where God can and will use you? You know, sometimes we just uh, we don't make ourselves available to God, right? And and so God doesn't have opportunity to use us and let me ask you maybe the most important question 
if God revealed to you what your gifts were, what your calling was, in other words, if He called you, would you answer? Now, many of you are sitting there thinking, saying, oh yes, yes I would. Really? God spoke to you right now and said, sell it all, go to Africa. Would you? Or would you leave here going for the rest of your life going, was that really you, God, or was that my imagination? If God spoke to you right now, said, I've given you the gift of musical talent, and I want you to use it for the glory of God. Would you, the next opportunity you got, would you really? Next time I said, if you got a special, would you? Listen to me. Would you be willing to do what God asks you to do? Or are you just going to do what you want to do? Devin mentioned stepping out of the comfort zone. Doing what you're already comfortable with because that's what you've always done. Are you going to do what God wants you to do? Or are you going to do what you want to do and what you're comfortable with anyway? Listen, we need the feet to be feet, and we need the hands to be hands. Some of these gifts or talents, if you want to call them that, they come very natural to us, right? We know what they are because we've been doing them all our life and they just come out of us very naturally. Others, they've got to be worked at. They've got to be developed over time. I... Um, I did not know what my gifts were uh, before God called me. I earnestly believe that he's given me the, the gift to preach and he's given me the gift to teach. Um, the preaching, I just opened my mouth. I had no idea I could do that. And really the only holdback on my preaching was me. Because I was scared to death about it, you know. And I, would, I was like... Um, the st start, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. And that was all me. Once I finally figured out just to let her, let loose, let her go, you know, that come as natural as breathing. But the gift of teaching, of God has given me that one too, I believe. But that one took a while. That one took some work. That took some developing. That took um, the Sunday school superintendent at the um, first church I ever pastored, that took his encouraging until I finally ran him out of patience and him finally like, are you going to do it or do I need to get somebody else to do it? Well, he was a little nicer than that about it, but you get the idea. What I mean is, is some of our gifts come just as natural as breathing, right? You're just born, right, knowing how to do it. You might not realize you know how to do it, but you do. And there's others that, you know, nobody's born knowing, knowing how to walk, right? That's something that takes some work and you've got to learn how to do it. You've got to want to do it. And that's the way our gifts are. Let me share one more passage of Scripture with you before I close. In Matthew chapter 25, I think it's perfectly fitting for this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, right? We've got what's called the parable of the talents. I want you to know, if you didn't know, I found this interesting. As we go through here, the word talent is a unit of money, right? It's about 
6,000, it's, it's about 6,000, I've I got to say this the right way. The wage of a common worker, the daily wage, it would take the common worker, right? So think minimum wage worker. Um, it would take them 6,000 days to, of working to earn a talent. That's like 20 years, okay, to give you an idea. So it's a unit of money. But the thing that's interesting is our word talent that we use, right? That's not, we don't use talent as a unit of money. We use talent as a special ability or in a gift, right? Our understanding, our, our English word talent comes from this parable. Talent is a transliterated word from the Latin language, which is almost transliterated from the Greek. It is based, it, the definition that we have for talent comes from the interpretation of this passage, of this parable. Anyways, if we look here in Matthew 25, verse 14, it says, The kingdom of God is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. And then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. But he, <coughs> excuse me, but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. All right, so we've got the, pa the parable of the talents and the way he's going. He says, this is like the kingdom of God, right? And so there's one guy, right? One servant that's given five and he takes those five and he earns five more. There's one that's given two. He takes those two and he earns two more. And then the last one, the third guy, he has given one. And because of his fear, right, he goes and he hides it, right? He puts it, in the, he hides it, buries it in the ground, secures place he knows how to keep it in order to give it back to his master when his master returns. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. I want you to know this morning before I go any farther that there is a day of reckoning coming and we will all have to stand before the Lord and give an account for everything that we've done whether it be good or bad, right? We're going to have to stand there. That day of reckoning is coming and we're going to have to give an account. They're getting ready to have to give an account of what they've done with the talents that God gave them. We're going to have to give an account with what we did with what God gave us as well. Verse 20, And he, and so he that had received five talents came and brought uh, other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of, the Lord, of thy Lord. Verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been merciful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So realize, the guy that with five talents and give back five talents, or made an additional five talents, and the guy with two talents and made an additional two talents, right, that is 
Big difference in the sums of money there, the value. But yet the reward for each one of them is exactly the same. See, it's not about who's best or who's most talented. It's about who's faithful. That's the point that he's making here. Who is faithful in using what God had given them? Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Uh, and I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that that is thine. All right? What is he saying? He's saying that he was afraid of messing up. So he didn't do anything. He was afraid to use what God had given him because he was afraid that he would mess up, that he would make a mess, that he would lose it, that something would happen, right? That it wouldn't go good. In other words, he was afraid to do anything. So he didn't do anything. I think that's the problem that many of us have today. Many of us sit and do nothing, not because God didn't give us talents. God gave us talents. But we're just like this one guy with the one. We went and hid our talent. We went and buried it in the ground somewhere where nobody can see it. Nobody can be blessed by it, right? Nobody gets any benefit from it. God gets no glory from it because we're afraid. We're afraid. Verse 26. The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strong. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Usury is interest, right? So in other words, he should have went and deposited it in the bank and draw, at least drawn interest on it, at the very least. He should have done that, right? Now, I told you that it's speaking of talents as money. But I think that we should be seeing the talent not only as money, but as the gifts, right? Uh, or talents that God has given us. And it doesn't matter whether God gave you one talent or five talents. Uh, I, made the, I made the joke, uh, I think Jimmy said it was a one-trick pony or two-trick pony, but, you know, one-talent preacher or two-talent preacher, you know, I was joking with Jimmy about that on a singing night one night whenever I said he couldn't sing. Um, but anyways, and he proceeded to, sh to tell me or to um, show me that I was wrong. The point that I'm getting at here in this is I would say that you could sum this up. It's not about how many talents you've got. I could sum this up with this. Use what God has given you. Right? That's what it was. That's the difference in these three. The two used what God had given them. And their reward was the same. Even though the amounts of the talents were different. The one who did not use what God gave him, his reward was not the same. And it was not so good. Verse 28. Therefore, take the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. And unto every one that, uh, that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The point is... We need to be ready. 
we need to be ready for, that's what this leads into, right? This next parable is the judgment after, after the second coming of Christ, right? The point is, is we need to be ready for Christ's return. And that involves more than just playing it safe, right? The one guy is just playing it safe, right? And, he, and it turns out, ultimately, he wasn't prepared for the Lord's return. If those that took what God had, had given them and used them, those are the ones that was ready, It, depend, it demands to be ready. It demands the kind of faithful service that produces fruit, spiritual fruit. I would say that you've got to ask yourself the question that if you have never, ever, not in your entire life, produced any good fruit at all, you would have to ask yourself the question, were you ever actually even one of his? Were you actually saved? Were you actually living for the Lord? Were you actually serving him? Or were you just pretending? Maybe you were just fooling yourself. I kind of think that we need to look at this parable as a more detailed explanation of what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10 when it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in this body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I believe this verse has more to do with the life that we've lived after we've gotten saved than the sins we committed before we got saved. Everybody thinks that we get in our head that, you know, we got saved and we're forgiven and we'll never have to answer to God or give an account for anything else. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I don't think that's what 2 Corinthians 5.10 teaches. I think we're going to stand before him and we're going to give an account. Just as, the, just as the men in Matthew 25 in that parable, those servants had to stand before their Lord and give an account for what they did do and what they did not do. I think that this in 2 Corinthians 5.10 is talking about the, the things that we don't do in the sins after we're saved. Because we are guilty of the sins. We've already confessed them, right? We were already judged guilty. The punishment for those sins has already been paid by Jesus on Calvary's cross. And let me tell you this morning, if you haven't pled guilty to the charges yet and accepted Jesus and what he did for you on Calvary's cross, then one day you will face the great white throne judgment and it will not turn out well for you. But this scripture here, it's speaking to us, the church, those that are saved. Notice that Paul says, we, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, right? We shall all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We. That would even include the Apostle Paul himself. So then we know that one day we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Open and bare, without excuse, and give an account for what we did with the talent, the gifts, the things that God has given us. So really, maybe the question I'm asking you this morning is, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that?
Have you been using what God has given you for the glory of God? Or have you been sitting on it? Did you go bury it in the ground somewhere? Or have you got it out there using it? Because trust me, you will have to give an account to God one day for what you've done with it. Whether you used it or whether you just kept it safe somewhere. You hid it. Ms. Jennifer is coming for a song of invitation. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand this morning, if you would, please. And I'm going to open the altar. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Give you an opportunity to come this morning as the Spirit of God is dealing with you. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, uh, if God's dealing with your heart this morning, would you come? Whatever it may be. Maybe you're, you realize for the first time that you're not where you ought to be. Or maybe it's not the first time. Maybe it's the tenth time or the hundredth time. Uh, but you realize that you're not where you ought to be with God. Now is the time to come and get that straightened out. Now is the time to come and to surrender it all to Him. Pour it out to Him. Uh, maybe there's a, something on your heart that you've got a burden about. Now would be the time. Maybe as the passage of Scripture and the messages we're talking about here this morning. Uh, maybe, just maybe, you've not been using your talent. You've had it hid. Maybe you're afraid to use it. Now would be the time to come and to ask God and to seek His face and ask Him to give you the boldness to use His talent that He has given you for His glory. You see, I think we get that mixed up and get in trouble there because we get to thinking about ourselves and get to thinking it's about us. It's not about us, it's about Him. So whatever the need is, whatever the burden is here this morning, would you come? Would you come?